chapter 17. <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading at verse 20 and read down through verse 37. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto his disciple, unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under the heavens shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. That phrase, in his day, is very important. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, but first, he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Built it. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him, not like, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Lot's wife sought to save her life by going back to Sodom. Anyway, I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. The title of the message this morning is, When the King Should Come Into His Kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to gather around your word today. Thank you, Father, for uh, that we can have the preserved word of God, that we can study and show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So, Lord, I pray that as we look into your word today, that we rightly divide it, that we would understand your word. And we'd not be ashamed to proclaim it to a lost and dying world. Speak to our hearts where conviction is needed. I pray that you bring conviction. And where repentance is needed, I pray that you bring repentance and faith in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're probably one of the most prominent things on the minds of the Jews during Jesus' time on earth was the coming of the king in his kingdom. It was not only a question, as it's spoken of here, demanded of the Pharisees, but it was also a question of the disciples. The disciples often talk about it, and they talked about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And you know, when's your kingdom coming? They always are asking questions like this. After all, they were in bondage to Rome, and they were looking for that kingdom that was promised in the Old Testament scriptures. 
Uh, in Luke 19.11, for example, it says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was not at Jerusalem, because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. In other words, they were looking for that visible aspect of the kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God, and we've talked about this a little bit before, the kingdom of God is the rule of God and the extent of that rule. It, is, it has several aspects or phases. It was already present in New Testament times. Notice Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Now, the word there, within you, in verse 21, means in the midst of you. It wasn't, when he was speaking this to the Pharisees, answering them, they didn't have, they weren't in the kingdom of God. But he said what within you means in the midst of you. So it was already present and remains as such today. You and I, if we are saved, are in the kingdom of God. But, there will come a day where it will enter a different phase, which is yet future, and we'll see that here further on, when Christ will rule and reign in a kingdom, in the kingdom, not in a kingdom, in the kingdom on earth. And it will be visible kingdom, like we think of kingdoms. So, and of course this kingdom has to be entered, is entered by choice. So I want to look at several things about this today. First of all, the kingdom of God is a present reality. Again, verse 21 says, Neither say they, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Or in other words, it is in the midst of you. In, in Luke alone, and of course uh, Matthew speaks a lot, uses the words or the terminology kingdom of heaven, which refers to the same thing. But uh, in, in Luke alone, in Luke 9, 11, Luke 9, 11, Jesus says, And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them, and spake unto them the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. Chapter 10, verse 9. Chapter 10, verse 9. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So again, it's talking about something that is present. Chapter 11, verse 20. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, know that the kingdom of God is come upon you. And then in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul, right, the church of Colossae said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom, into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even of the forgiveness of sins. So the kingdom of God is present. It was present in Jesus' day, and it's present now. And those who are saved are in that kingdom. It's just not observable. Now, it's not something you perceive with the eye, so to speak. But it is present. It is a reality at this very moment. But you notice the second thing. The king will come to his kingdom in his day. Now, I want you to notice again verses 24, 26, and verse 30. Verse 24 says, For as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part unto heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, 
so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things here as we think about the king coming in his kingdom. First of all, we are living now in the day, the day of man. The day of man. Now, so preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, let me, let me go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the Lord said to Adam, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl there, over everything that liveth upon the earth. The word dominion means to subdue, to have rule over. So God gave to man rule over the earth. He gave man rule over the earth to have dominion. He was to rule the earth under God's direction and God's authority. But history is one sad story from the Garden of Eden to the present of the fact that man has rebelled against God's authority and has submitted himself to the authority of Satan. And given that authority or that Satan is described in the Bible as the God of this world. In Matthew 4, you remember, he offered to Jesus all the kingdoms of this world if he would fall down and worship him. Now, therefore, all the kingdoms of this world are under the dominion of, guess who? Satan. He's their master. And so, Really, in re the reality of it is, we are living in the day of man. God has given man dominion over the earth, and he, is, he has become a slave or allow, uh, 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 made Satan his master by his own choice. And, of course, it began with Adam, and, and, and you know, through generations it proceeded with a wickedness until violence soon covered the earth. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says, And the God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6.11 says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. It was filled with violence. It was everywhere. Why? Because man rejected God's authority and submitted himself to the devil of his own choosing. It was so bad that God had to step in and press the restart button. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. With a worldwide flood, God judged man's wickedness and destroyed all but Noah and his family. And then again, the man began to multiply. And again, man began to rebel. They built a tower to reach heaven. So God confined the languages, Genesis chapter 11, and scattered them all over the earth. Then God chose a man, Abraham. Abraham believed God. And Abraham 
a man, a family, a nation, and they were to be witnesses for him in the earth. Isaiah 43.10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith Lord, my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be at me. So he chose a, a nation, a family, but that family, that nation, Israel, his chosen, rejected him. Again, they apostatized. They were given over to the subjection of the Gentiles, carried off to Babylon to be subjected to Gentile dominion till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Luke 21, 24 talks about till the time. In fact, go over there. Look, Luke, Luke 21, 24. This is important as we consider, think about this. Luke 21, 24 says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. You see, the times of the Gentiles refers to the period of time that the Gentiles have dominion over the land of Israel. And that began with Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And it will end when Christ takes rule and reign in the millennium. You say, well, Israel's back in the land, but they're not really. They really don't have full control or full dominion of their land. They don't even have all of it that they've been promised. And the Arabs have rights to Jerusalem. You know, it's a big fight now. The Palestinians, so-called. See, and there, of course, their rejection of God and, and his rule over them culminated in crucifying their Messiah, their coming king. You see, we are living, we are living, and have been living in the day when man does what's right in his own eyes. That's the day we're living in. God has given man dominion over there. He's allowed him, he's given him the freedom to choose, and man has chosen to reject Lord, so we're really living in the day of man. But our passage here, Jesus says that, that he talks about the day of the Son of Man or the days of the Son of Man. Now, again, look at these verses in verse 24. For as the lightning of lightning out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Uh, verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, you know, each of these verses have a phrase sort of like this, shall it be, or so shall it be. What tense is that? It's future tense. It's future tense. So this is talking about a different aspect or a different phase of the kingdom of God. It refers to when God begins to directly judge the world in righteousness. And it'll begin, of course it'll begin with the rapture. You know, Acts 17.31 says this, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. See, there's coming a day when God's going to begin to judge all men by that man whom he hath ordained, and that's Jesus Christ. And this is what is referred to as the day or days of the Son of Man. 
It's not a single day. It's a time period. It's a time period. <clears throat> now, I want to notice three things about this, and I have some subpoints. First of all, the beginning of this period will be suddenly. Notice verse 26 through 30. It says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, <clears throat> there's nothing significant really about those verses I just read. You know, in the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. What are people doing today? They're going through life, they eat, they drink, they get married. Is there anything wrong with that? No, not really. That's what they were doing at Sodom. And of course, a lot of other things. But, but as you think about the context in which this is written and the time periods it's describing here, they were living life under the sun not giving consideration to eternity or the future or what God had in store or what God's purpose in life. They were just going through life, living life under the sun, living in pleasure while they lived, giving no thoughts or consideration to Someday we might have to give an account to our Creator, to our God. And so they're just going through life as usual, doing as one pleases, living life under the sun and pleasure. Until, just like that, everything changed. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3 says, For yourselves know perfectly, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief. When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman of child, and they shall not escape. Matthew twenty five thirteen. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You see, this period is going to begin suddenly. It can happen at any time. You know, we live in a world that talks a lot about But I'm telling you, start doing a little research of what's going on in the world, and there is no peace in the world. There is violence and bloodshed daily in our present world. But that's what people think. Life is going on as usual. It's going to come suddenly. Secondly, it will begin with the deliverance of those already in the kingdom. Notice the verses 33 to 36. It says, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. 
the one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women, two people watching television, both left. No. Um, but you see here, this, 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 this is, this is a, uh, an event in which there's going to be some at night taken and some during the day taken. And it's also selective. Maybe two working together and one's taken and one's not. Of course, verse 33, we've seen that verse before, that phrase before, refers to those who have submitted to the king, Jesus, already through the new birth. They've given up their own life and given and surrendered their life to the Lord. That's that, that, that I the idea of what that means there in verse 33. Um, and, and so this event, this is what we're looking at here, is what's commonly called by Bible believers the rapture. Or the catching away. The word rapture is not actually in the Bible, but the meaning is um, spoken of in verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. If you would just go over there for just a moment. 1 Thessalonians 4. <coughs> Thirteen through eighteen, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, to sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. With this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that means go before, uh, not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that's the word rapture. It means catching away or seizing away. Kind of the idea of seizing away. Uh, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And the word taken here in verse uh, uh, in our passage, in verse 34, 35, and 36, the word taken means, again, one to be let off as a prisoner or to take one away, one to take with one in order to carry away. So the same idea of, of catching or seizing away. God is going to catch us out. He's going to deliver us from this present evil world. He's going to carry, carry us off by force, if you will. Now, you say, well, why does he have to do that? Well, we live in enemy territory, remember. This is the devil's domain. He's the prince of this world. He's the god of this world. And 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and when the Son of Man is revealed, you know, immediately... Uh, 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 you know, the first thing that's going to happen is we got, we're going to be delivered from this present evil world, and then God is going to pour out His judgment on wickedness of men. And what's commonly called the tribulation, described in Revelation 6 through 19. So, so the beginning of this period will be suddenly, it will begin with the deliverance of those already in the kingdom, those who are saved. And then a third thing that we see here is, though it will come suddenly, it will be known worldwide. Now, it's going to be a surprise to the world. 
but it's going to be known worldwide. Notice verse 24. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part unto heaven shineth unto the other part unto heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. So it's going to be known worldwide. Now, many people believe that with the disappearance of all the saved people, you know, going up in the rapture, everyone will know the Lord is coming and many will prepare. However, I am not among those that believe that for two reasons. Number one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, 12 says this, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, there are many truths that are very evident and yet people refuse to believe them even today. There's many truths that are very evident. And people refuse to believe it. They choose not to believe it. And it will be no different then. It will be no different then. The liberals will explain away the rapture. People know they have sinful habits are ruining their lives, yet they continue in them. Why? Because they will not have this man to rule over them. That's the bottom line. They will not have God ruling in their lives. You know, what did Abraham tell the rich man in hell? Even if they see a miracle, even if they see one rose from the dead, they will not believe because they don't believe the word of Hey, if they don't believe the word of God today, they won't believe though people they may know all of a sudden disappear. And there's no explanation. They won't. God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Secondly, the second reason I don't believe that is because I don't think there's as many people going to go up in rapture as some people think. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll see, you see sometimes on some of these papers, you might see millions or billions missing. And they're referring to what's called in the Bible the rapture. Well, I don't know how many there's going to be, but I don't think there's going to be as many as a lot of people think. Matthew 7 tells us there's few that enter the straight gate. And the minority of people who think they may be saved live with little or no regard for God or his word. And to me, that puts a big question mark over their salvation. So it'll come suddenly, but it will be known worldwide. Because this, this judgment is going, to, it's going to be a time of judgment and, and righteousness where God is going to begin to judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus made some interesting statements. In Luke chapter 11, verses 50 and 51, he said, the blood, the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. 
From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. In other words, he was saying that is of this time period. It's going to be required of this time period. I believe that's the time period we're living in. The judgment is of this time period, of the day of man. You know, one of the things that God hates is the bloodshed of innocence. He hates it. Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, he says, Surely the blood of your lives will I require, at the hand of every beast will I require, at the hand of a man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And then in Numbers 35, 33, he says to the children of Israel, So she will not pollute the land wherein you are. For blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. You know, one of the reasons for the flood, the worldwide flood, was the earth was filled with violence. And to cleanse the land, God had to shed the blood or destroy all those that were shedding that blood. Now think of the bloodshed and the violence of the just the past 2,000 years in our world. Start doing a little Google research and it will astound you. How many martyrs died at the hands of the Romans when the blood flowed in the arenas while people cheered. How many martyrs died at the hands of the Antichrist popes and the Roman Catholic Church and the Inquisition? 60 million? 100 million? We all know. Most historians say between 60 and 100 million. Albigensians were basically annihilated. A whole group of people, Baptists. The Waldensians, nearly destroyed. People of the Alps. The bloodshed of Hitler's Germany. One writer said 11 million. Or Stalin's Russia, Chairman Mao's China, North Korea, Vietnam, Cuba, estimates that communism has killed 94 million people alone, communism alone. You know what? Much of that was done in the name of the redistribution of wealth. Something promoted by Bernie Sanders, and Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton, and all these kind of people. Martyrs in Muslim countries, India. Christianity.com says from 1901 to 2000, there are 26 million martyrs. 1901 to 2000, 26 million martyrs. What about the murder of the unborn? U.S. abortion, U.S. abortion clock.org says there are 60 million abortions 
in the U.S. since 1973. 1.4 billion worldwide since 1980. 1.4 billion since 1980. Innocent children put to death. Abortion is just so we can live in pleasure. These are innocent children that God loves. You know, peoples and nations and leaders can talk about peace all they want, but we live in a world of massive bloodshed. And it goes on even to this day. Since 2000 in Sudan, 1.3 million Christians You know, in Africa, you know, you can go through nation after nation. You know, Idi Amin was called the Ugandan butcher. Killed millions of Ugandans, many of them Christians, in the 1900s, or 1980s, I think it was. You see, we, we live in a world that is full. We're not guiltless. Our nation is not guiltless. And the only hope of ending all this, this violent bloodshed, is the coming of the king, the prince of peace. And he's going to pour out his wrath on a wicked world that has shed the blood of innocence for centuries. Go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. <clears throat> so you say, when God says he judgeth righteously, he's right. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, we're in the tribulation here. When he opened the fourth seal, so, so what you have is, Next thing to happen on God's time clock or God's plan as we're looking at the future is the rapture. When the rapture happens, all the saved will be taken out of this world and immediately the tribulation will begin and that's the time when God's going to pour out his wrath and judge this wicked world for their bloodshed of innocent people. And particularly, it's going to, and it's, the focal point is going to be, again, again, the chastisement of Israel for their crucifixion of their Savior. Daniel 9 talks about that. But it's, it, it, you know, it's going to be all, it's going to be worldwide. Verse, and, and so that's, what that's where we are. We're in the tribulation. So this is after the rapture. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and the power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, notice this, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How, lo how long, O Lord, holy and true, 
Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto them, every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the, heaven, the earth, even as a fig tree casteth their untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks, and the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? You see, they all know that God is pouring out his wrath and judgment. Look at chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 15. It says, And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an A an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay, notice, the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000 and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and of brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and, their, and had heads, when with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, notice this, the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murderers, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. See, I told you, they will not believe no matter if they see a miracle or not. And right here it says, though they know that this wrath or this judgment is of God against their wickedness, neither will they See, this is the days of the Son of Man. When he's going to judge the world in righteousness. You know, one of these uh, I think it's chapter 14 actually. I can't remember. One of, one, of the, one, of, one of the places, oh yeah, look at chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 4. The third angel, chapter 16, verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shalt be. I'm speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. See, God said back in Genesis, if a man sheds a man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And so the Lord here in his judgment 
He's giving them blood to drink. Because they are worthy. It's the judgment due them. They are getting justice. It's justice. Righteous judgment. You know, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance of them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So the day of man is, is going to be when, when the Lord begins to pour out his judgment. And of course, that tribulation period is going to culminate with the battle of Armageddon, chapter 19. And the beast and the false prophet and the devil put into the lake of fire or the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. It's his day or his days. So we see king will come to his kingdom. But notice the third thing. The kingdom must be entered by a spiritual birth. Notice again verses 21 and 20 and 21 of chapter 17 of Luke. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In John chapter 3, in verses 3 through 8, speaking with Nicodemus, Jesus said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, which something means truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. So the spiritual birth, then, is not with observation, or it's not performed or perceived by the natural eye. I mean, Nathan still looks the same he did before he got saved. He's just taller, more mature. But he don't look any different. Andrew looks the same as he did before he got saved. You know, I can't, by looking at you, say, or go right there and say, yeah, I'll see, I'll oh, say person, that's say person. No, I've lost that, I've lost. I can't tell that by looking at somebody. It's not with observation. Now, there is evidences. He talks about the wind here. There may be evidence seen by the things that you do or don't do. 
But being born again is not observable. It's not performed or perceived by the eye. It's, it's a spiritual birth. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. So it's a spiritual birth. Uh, and it is the same for all time periods or all dispensations. You know, there are some who say, well, you get saved one way in the Old Testament and during the tribulation you get saved another way during the age of grace. It's not true. It's not true. Revelation 14.6 says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. The gospel is the same for all ages. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He, by faith, believed in God. And Romans 10, 9, 10 says, If thou wilt confess thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made. So we get saved by believing in the heart. That's how Abraham got saved. And by believing, you know, we call it, you know, Paul called it in uh, Acts 20, 21, repentance toward God and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, to believe means more than just, yeah, I know. It means you put your trust or your dependency. That's what the word believe means in the book of John. Now, the word can also mean to know. The devils believe. In other words, they know they're not saved. The devils believe and tremble. In other words, they have knowledge. You know, there are a lot of people in our world today, that people that we know that know. They know, but they haven't put their dependence in the Lord. They haven't put their trust in. No, Abraham put his trust, his dependence in God. He's in the kingdom. He's in the kingdom. Jesus said, there will be many to come into the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you'll be cast out. He's talking to the Pharisees. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are in the kingdom, as we are, if you're saved. See, it's entered. It must be entered by a spiritual birth. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So it must be entered. Again, use the illustration here of a sheepfold. Jesus is the door. We have to enter through that door. So the kingdom of God, it's here, now, present. It's in our midst. It may be in you, or you may be in it. Maybe we should say it that way. Or it may be just like it was with the Pharisees, just in your
are you in? Have you been born again? You know, there's coming a day, and it may be soon. I believe it is. God's justice is not going to sleep forever. God's going to judge this old world by that man whom he's ordained. He's not going to come as a lamb. He's going to come as a lion. He's going to judge the wickedness of this world. And if you're not in the kingdom of God when he comes... going to be part of that judgment. And of course, you must enter it by being born again. Have you had a time when you've repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you from the wrath that will be poured out against ungodly So where are you today? You know, you can either be looking forward to the kingdom or hoping it doesn't come. The question is, are you in the kingdom?